0: Hi, uh, hello everyone. Uh, today I have, uh, Professor CSC Shekhar from Institute of Economic Growth and, uh, we'll be talking about agriculture market today and welcome to an, another episode with research with NJ. Welcome sir. Hi. Uh, Hi. Professor Shekhar is basically a renowned, uh, agriculture economist and he has contributed towards, uh, many policy making decisions. Right. And, uh, we want to talk about today about agricultural agriculture markets and how uh, these things react to the welfare of farmers basically. So, sir, over to you. Uh, so, how th- uh, today's agriculture market looks like basically in current scenario in
1: present day? First of all, thank you, Naman, for having me on this uh, program. Yeah, uh, the topic that you have touched upon is a very important topic because if one has to really uh, place a finger on the most pressing problem that the farmers in India currently facing it has to be agricultural marketing for the simple reason that farmer is in an economic activity where he has control over neither price nor quantity unlike any other economic activity you look around uh, where the producer of any uh, good for good or service has control over either the production, the quantity that he produces or uh, the price that he can get. Uh, But farmers unfortunately have control over neither quantity nor price. Uh, Let me just briefly explain why it is so. Farmer has no control over quantity that he can produce because more than 50% of uh, the role is played by weather which is beyond his control. So this is not only in India I mean even in advanced countries like the US where uh, weather aberrations take a heavy toll on farmers incomes and their crop yields. So farmer in that sense doesn't have control over production and on the price front, he is in an activity where the production activity actually or the production decision gets taken six months ahead of uh, the final produce coming into the market. The crop comes, for example, wheat crop comes to the market in April, while the sowing decisions are taken in October, November. So in between, he can his crop can get damaged and market conditions can vary, there can be surplus production, so glut, and also there can be imports, and world prices can crash. So there are so many things that can happen, so price risk. So that is what economists call price risk. So he faces both the price risk as well as production risk. So until and unless he uh, somehow these are taken care of so he he does not have a reprieve from this kind of a situation and that's why I think agricultural marketing is the most crucial aspect of the farmers uh, ecosystem.
0: So does that mean like I mean like because there are a lot of sellers, a lot of producers in terms of farmers but we see because they don't have control over price neither output nothing at all and they are hugely affected by weather extreme uh, events of weather or climate changes, right? So can we, would it be safe to say that there is some sort of monopsony or uh, oligopsony in, in certain way? Because ultimately it depends on the government or the buyer that is there.
1: Oh, actually, I am I, not very sure that uh, monopsony or oligopsony actually plays a major role in, in agricultural markets in general. It can be true for specific commodities. For example, onion. okay. In onion there is a uh, sort of a uh, imperfect market structure where most of the production takes place in one particular region. So there is a monopoly power or oligopoly power for say Nasik region in Maharashtra and Karnataka. These are the places which which play a major role, uh, disproportionately larger role in price formation. In the same way, there can be uh, commodities like, say core cereals, core cereals where there is production, but there is not much demand. So it is a buyer's market. So some sort of a monopsony or allopsony is, is, is possible. not valid but, basically. But in general for agriculture markets as such for uh, at large, I do not think there is much of allopsony in fact this I think is one of the most, uh, uh, one sector where uh, actually there is free entry, free exit. Free exit and, of course. And uh, yes. there is uh, information is free. And uh, there are no information barriers, The entry costs are not very high, not high at all. So it it actually approximates perfect competition.
0: It does, but then I mean like there are laws just to restrict all these things, the free market, right. In theory, theory, there is a free market, but then in order to, you know, have uh, sound data, I mean, some restrictions have been placed to avoid this sort of free market, you know. A farmer cannot just go out to sell his crop somewhere or produce anything. So there are laws there, right?
1: Oh, in that sense, yes, there is a restriction on free movement of goods. That's where that's why I said marketing is the most. Uh, but actually, there the uh, the market structure is not all-absent. That's what I'm saying. Yes, there are restrictions on perfect uh, uh, or uh, perfect competition. In the sense that farmers actually cannot uh, sell outside the APMC Mondays or uh, outside the state, yeah. uh, but there is not, there is no single buyer, a large buyer who who, who actually dictates uh, terms to the farmers and suppresses prices, or uh, not to the my knowledge, actually it may be happening in isolated pockets for specific commodities not at large.
0: So is there a limit that the particular APAC Mundi's can buy or like and because of course there will be a question coming up like of the storage right so is there a limit to it or the farmers can just go on and they sell their produce to
1: the APC Mundi or anyone for that matter? No APMC's as such don't buy much. What they do is they facilitate they provide the space for sellers and buyers to interact and. uh, uh, reach upon a price. It's like a normal marketplace. Okay. And, and uh, food corporation like uh, public uh, uh, agencies like Food Corporation of India, NEFED, they also sit in that FCI and they, uh, so, for example in places like uh, Mahara, sorry, Haryana, Punjab, Khoslamic Pradesh, they buy paddy from the farmers at the minimum support price, the Food Corporation of India and then they store it in the FCI Godons and they distribute it through the public distribution system. But they don't do it for all the commodities. The rest of the commodities, for the, suppose I produce Jawar in say Punjab, uh, there is no FCI to buy my produce. So what I do is I go to the APMC Monday, I sell to a trader like you who is sitting there and we do uh, reach a bargain about the price. Or If there are, uh, there are uh, multiple traders then there will be some sort of a, uh, an agreement between those traders about the price. And, and there would
0: be a price you. range available. Yes, yeah, that's and right i mean this again i mean then the concept of msp comes in and the, the deficiency if it is if goes down to uh, goes below the msp yeah let me g- come in
1: here <laughs> before you uh, so there is perfect competition okay there are multiple traders there are multiple farmers everyone is all the farmers are vying with each other to sell their produce and all the traders are trying to get the produce But what happens invariably is that, in many Mondays, is that there is a collusion among traders very often. So in that sense, yes, you can say some sort of an oligopsony, in that sense, that can pull down prices or push down prices and farmer is at a mercy because many small farmers have to sell their crop immediately so that they can get some cash in hand for their consumption purposes and also for investment for the next process. So, what happens is that farmer is in a hurry to sell, traders can actually collude or have reach an agreement about the price that they want. So in that sense, that's where it is somewhat unfair. So where the buyer is uh, a public agency like FCI, so the farmers are issued of MSP. But where the private traders are involved, it can often go much below the MSP. That's where the government has uh, started a system called deficiency payment system under uh, PM-ASHA program. Uh, uh, in this, uh, there is a uh, the simple mechanism is uh, as follows: a farmer can buy uh, sorry sell in the private market at whatever price. So suppose the MSP is hundred fixed at hundred, and the farmer is able to sell only at eighty rupees. So there is a deficit of twenty rupees. So that twenty rupees is reimbursed by the government to the, the farmer. By the government. So yep. the farmer is getting his MSP, but at the same time he is not obligated to sell it to FCI or FCI is not obligated to buy, from buy it from the farmer, So products. he can sell in the market. Whatever price he gets, if it is lower than MSP, the deficiency is made up by the government. So that's why it's called deficit. So I mean, in this scenario, there is no
0: oligopsy or monopsony of any sort. So it depends on the commodity, commodity, basically. So what commodity the farmer is selling? How many buyers are there? Is the government the only buyer or not? And I think the storage does not uh, mean anything in this scenario i mean it they just buy any amount x amount okay. but i mean like there have been some literature and uh, i think that suggests that uh, there is a limitation on the storage that is available with the government itself
1: yeah yeah so what happens is that if you say take the uh, 2019 20 production which is uh, for which the estimates from almost all the states are available if you take that, so uh, entire, suppose you take only cereals, pulses and oil seeds, if you take the production of that year, then the storage capacity that is with the public agencies, the government, uh, when I say public agencies, FCI and FED and also the, all the state warehousing corporations, that storage cap- capacity put together comes to around 96 million tons. And uh, these 96 million tons can, uh, out of that, actually those, uh, from those 96 million already uh, paddy and wheat procured in the last season, but also the cotton, all those things are already lying there. Already, so yeah. what is available is roughly around 70, 78, 75 to 80 70 million tons of wood uh, space. That covers only 30% of your production, so even government with all its good intentions Goes to the market and tells the farmers, okay, okay, you bring all your produce we want to buy. But the government doesn't have the storage space to keep that produce. So that's why government has to go in for a combination of physical procurement on its own behalf plus deficiency. deficiency. So only then they can assure MSP
0: in a meaningful way. Would it be possible for the government, I mean like to approach the public, uh, private sector for the storage space? And can they rent out basically, can the government rent out the uh, private space with the private uh, place? Even rent-in?
1: Yes, yes. Absolutely. Come. That's in theory that's possible but uh, private sector is not holding much storage space because they they are not into this business uh, over a long period of time. So they, they do have storage space but they are not into agri... Marketing in a big way. If you see the corporate investment in agriculture is uh, roughly around uh, 0.1% or less than that of the total corporate investment, so they they are not focused on agriculture for various reasons because of these restrictions on marketing, the APMC acts in various uh, states, so the restrictions on farmers uh, selling to private traders directly. So outside the APMC, they can sell in, within the APMC, presence of the APMC Mondays, but once they come out of the APMC Mondays, the farmer cannot buy to, uh, sorry, cannot sell to, to the other players. other players. To, to any, so that's why the private sector, large private players are, uh, they, they uh, stay away from agri- agriculture.
0: Agriculture. Yeah. But I mean like, I'm just asking like, can they rent?
1: The storage. Can the government rent? They are the not holding much storage space. space okay. and, uh, uh, which is suitable for storing agri commodities, and also uh, government uh, probably has its own uh, issues with actually renting in from. the private Might be, land.
0: might be. I mean, it's just just a theory. I mean, like you know, when you read literature, and then we see, okay, we see a problem of storage that comes up, and we try to think, okay, like government can rent. But the question also, why would government rent? Again, but then it's for the welfare of the farmers because they want to sell their produce. They want to send it, sell it 100%. They don't want any storage limitations or any
1: sort of you know, uh, if and buts to them. No, but with deficiency payments, that's a big advantage. It's a very the attractive feature of deficiency payments is that government doesn't need to store it on its own account. It, the farmer can sell in the market, so ultimately farmer needs the price, MSP, right? Yes. So, he, he can sell it to any private trader at whatever price, then the difference between MSP and uh, that uh, whatever s- sale price is reimbursed to him. So, farmer is getting his price and government is uh, does not have to store it and uh, transport it and all that. So, storage costs are... Uh, is already eliminated. So, in, in that sense, uh, that is a win-win situation for government and the farmer, but the only problem with that is that... Uh, I mean, there are acquisitions, uh, particularly when uh, this scheme was launched in Madhya Pradesh in 2018, that uh, traders and farmers collude and keep the price low so that whatever difference between MSP and uh, the, the sale market price, prices market is price is is can be shared. shared. There. So, there can be collusion between the traders and farmers then. This, uh, there is some. Uh, anecdotal evidence of that in Madhya Pradesh, but our research actually shows that there was no such collision. In fact, I did some work in 2018 which, is, which has come out in EPW, where we have shown that of course the price fall, uh, falls when uh, farmers bring their produce to the markets for deficiency payments, but uh, that uh, fall is not unusual in the sense that the what is called the. Inverse uh, demand elasticity is not unusually high uh, added, I anything. Uh, so, has the
0: there been price. any cases where, like, uh, where the buyers have lowered uh, below, uh, extremely low uh, asking price below the MSP? I mean, like, the difference between the MSP and their market prices, asking price is very high. Yeah, yeah, they, they, that happens all the time. Because Actually, that puts a lot of pressure on
1: the government, yeah, yeah. you know, to cover so, up the difference. So, what the government does is, yeah, that, that can happen. What the government does is. It doesn't cover the entire difference between the MSP and the sale price. Suppose you are a farmer, I am a farmer. So MSP is say 100 rupees, I sell at 80 rupees and you sell at say 40 rupees. Okay. And uh, suppose there is another farmer, uh, there is a third farmer apart from 22 and he also is selling at 80 rupees equal to my price. So both of us, that is the modal price is 80, whereas you are selling at 40. That means either your product is inferior or you have entered into some kind of collusion. So there has to be some sort of standard quality. So what they do is they take the model price. Model price okay. So 100 minus 80, 80 is the model price, that's the mode of the distribution. So they take 80, 100 minus 80 is reimbursed. So you also will be paid only 20 rupees, 20 rupees. I also will be paid 20 rupees. So you will not be able to benefit from this kind of collusion. So they take the model price in that. But still, if there is a large scale collision between traders and farmers, the model price itself can go down. Can go down. So in
0: that case, then the person who is selling at a very lesser difference will also gain that uh, big, uh, the high difference amount. No.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) Because 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 every farmer wants to have the maximum. The maximum that you get is the MSP minus the model price, but if you sell at a price above model price but below MSP, you will get only that difference. That difference. So all right. you will not get. So you will not have any incentive for selling at a higher price. Because so farmers might want to have
0: the maximum price paid to them, I mean
1: the difference in yeah. fact. So, they will, the maximum they can get is MSP minus model price. But if they sell at a price higher than the model price, they will get only that difference. I mean, I mean, we've talked about uh, this price support
0: groups also, I mean, we've, we're talking about prices, the MSPs. So I mean, I just want to touch, up, uh, touch base with uh, the income support groups also, the income support part of uh, farmers, like how they are supported in terms of uh, income. Because as yes. of now,
1: I think it's 6,000 per annum. That's a very good uh, question. In fact, uh, it's high time India moved away from this price-based support system to an income-based support system. Why, I'll tell you one very important thing. In fact, I started with this uh, price risk and the uh, yield risk or production risk that the farmer faces. So if either of those things happen, suppose you give him MSP. To get that MSP, farmer has to, Fulfill two conditions. First, the first condition is that he has to produce something. Second condition is that he should be able to sell whatever he has produced at this MSP. Only then he will get that income from MSP. If either of these two doesn't do not happen, then he will not get uh, his uh, income from MSP. Suppose the production does, he does not realize the production because of say some weather event, some pest attack, some flood, anything can happen between. So he does not have anything to sell, so he will not get the income. Suppose the prices fall because of either international prices and imports or some such thing happening and there is a glut in production domestically, even then he will not get the, because uh, that there will be a price fall. And uh, again that, uh, not only the price fall, sorry, this is a market price, but MSP, suppose there is no agency which is willing to buy it MSP. Suppose uh, in places like Bihar, there is no FCI to buy at MSP, there is no APMC Act there, but in Bihar for a long time MSP mechanism was not functional, of late there is, there is Has there been some, st- st- so when the farmer is not able to produce something or if there is no one to buy at MSP, in either case he will not get uh, income from it, so his ultimately farmer, what is he interested in, he is interested in price, MSP, because he wants certain income to meet his mm. consumption needs. Mm. So why can't we directly give him that incur? Suppose you are a farmer, you are producing jowar in say Maharashtra, in say some district, Nasik district. So all I, I have to do is, I'll ask you, are you willing to produce jowar for the next two crops or two crop seasons or two? Then I take the cost of whatever cost you incur on an average and add to that a small margin. And then I give it to you straight away. At least 50% of that I give it to you as income, direct income transfer. And then I tell you, okay, Jawar, you cannot sell in the market. So you can produce anything else, but you will get this half of this whatever cost as direct payment. So this is called income support or direct payments. Uh, This system is there in many countries, including USA, China. China has recently shifted to this. Not very recently, but uh, uh, it's... uh, Nearly a decade now. Okay, decade. Uh, So uh, that system is working very well in across uh, many countries across the world, and India also should try that. Our uh, the closest we come to that is in PM Kisan program. Okay. PM Kisan, uh, you mentioned six thousand rupees under PM Kisan program. The government gives six thousand per annum, but this six thousand figure is as far as I know, I have not seen any documentation of that as to on what basis the 6,000 is decided. So it it completely appears to be an arbitrary figure to me. But if you systematically and scientifically analyze the costs of farmers and take that cost as the baseline and give him half of that cost as direct income and then uh, ask him to produce whatever he can sell in the market. So his 50% of the cost is his direct income and if he suppose produces vegetables and sells in the market, that is additional income for him. So he can actually make a... uh, claiming I I believe this uh, uh, I believe that this kind of an income support program will work much better for farmers than price support. I mean, do you believe
0: that there should be a minimum income for farmers? I mean, not just the six thousand or any other calculated based on the cost of cultivation or the produce that is uh, you know the
1: uh, the is uh, giving, but just a minimum income. Some that sort of. actually is a much larger question. In fact, because because we are talking about agriculture, we can say that farmers need to have a minimum income. But why farmers? Even agriculture laborers need to have minimum income. Artisans can need to have minimum income. Even a someone a, a uh, someone a destitute who doesn't have any income source needs to have some minimum income to keep his consumption going. So that is a larger question. So that ideally should be that. Because there there are carpenters, there are artisans, there are individual labor in the rural uh, countryside. So all of them have some, they incur some cost on their food, their uh, clothing, their uh, children's education and shelter and all that. So you can have some consumption baseline expenditure and that should be given to them as direct income. When it comes to farmers, yes, the same logic applies because they also need to have their... Uh, uh, kitchen hearts going so burning, so uh, they need to have some basic income. But what that basic income should be based on should it be based on consumption expenditure or should it be based on his production expenditure? Which
0: but is I mean, it makes me come to my next question would be that I mean, do you believe that uh, there should be a hierarchy within the farmers? I mean, like we have a hierarchy in terms of uh, the government, like the secretaries, everything you know, the class A officers, class B officers, C and D, so on, so forth. But within the farmers there is nothing like that there is just farmers so there is no supervision I mean if there is a supervisor he is also a farmer itself right no direct contact with the government the only contact that they have is that they just go out to the APAC mandis to sell their produce that's it so do you believe that there is a hierarchy missing within the farmers itself I think it's
1: a blessing in disguise in one sense okay because in India already we have so many intermediaries Uh, between the giver and the taker there are so many intermediaries for example in the agricultural marketing system itself you have artyas you have traders you have so many people so these these intermediaries always have a cost so the cost goes up enormously and the uh, final beneficiary gets very little that happens even in government schemes also you see so there is so much of uh, leakage in many programs. I don't want to take the names or ministries, but there are certain ministries whose programs, if you see, their uh, the revised expenditures are so low compared to the budgeted expenditures, which shows that their programs are not working. Okay, simple. So why are they not working? Simple, either leakage or corruption or maybe simple. Uh, uh, there is apathy uh, elsewhere. So I think. Uh, farmers not having a supervisor is i think is a i mean case. i meant as
0: within this uh, within the farmers itself some yeah. sort of hierarchy just to you know have a better
1: interaction better uh, discussion part for that the better uh, way would be not so much a supervisor but, but actually they should get together okay. and uh, as a group uh, collectively engage with the policy makers
0: because everything is from the side of the government because there is some sort of agriculture officer Uh, There is a lot of commissions based and there are chairmen, but then there is no one there to interact with the farmers, their needs, their requirements. Everyone is just playing on assumptions that this weather will happen. So they would, they might need this. And then they're setting the price, the outputs, the predicting outputs. So I mean, if they have some sort of, you know, hierarchy within the farming uh, sector, would you think that that would be better to interact with the government to set policies to a, you know, to a better uh,
1: line? I I don't agree Uh, or I I, I would like to differ with this point that there is not much interaction with the farmers. Actually, you will be surprised to know that, uh, for example, there is a commission for uh, agricultural costs and prices, the members of the commission and also the chairperson regularly visit various uh, Parts of the country engage, interact with farmers. They try to find out the costs of the, what are the costs incurred by the farmers. What are the what are their problems and all that. But where where does the problem come? The problem comes that uh, India is 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 a, is of a continental size. or variety, it's the heterogeneity in conditions and the kind of uh, uh, farming systems that are that are there in India. It it's. That uh, heterogeneity is enormous. So, what happens is that uh, suppose a farmer in a particular part produces a particular crop at say 30 rupees, some other farmer will be producing it at 200 rupees in some other part of the country. So, which cost will the government take into consideration? So, what they do is they take the weighted average. Mm. So, if the guy, 30 rupees guy, is producing say 30 percent of the output, and 50 this 200 rupees fellow is producing say uh, 70% of the output. Then what you take is the weighted average of the two, and so it will be closer to 200 than 30. And yeah. so this kind of weighted average happens. Then what happens is that suppose the weighted average comes to say 170 rupees, then the 200 the fellow who is producing at 200 rupees will always cry foul. He say he says look my cost is 200 and I am being given only 170. Yeah. So this is and MSP is fixed at 170 that doesn't even cover my cost. But it's impossible to cover all the costs of the country. So this is something that uh, farmers, farmers themselves do not understand, in fact may, many of my interactions with farmers, I, I have to keep repeating to them, yes I agree that your your cost may be higher than the MSP, but MSP is fixed on not on your cost, but everyone else's cost also. I mean there is a weighted average, there is a lot of uh, calculations and uh, there is a lot of data crunching that goes on. And that happens after speaking to many farmers in the field. So there's a lot of interaction that happens. What ha- what is uh, probably missing is that we our policies are coming very uh, in a very ad hoc manner. There is no. In fact, uh, if you see the entire rural economy is integrated. Agriculture is one part, only one part. There is. There are rural non-farm uh, activities like constructions and rural roads, markets. There is uh, so all these things have to be integrated, and there has to be a large uh, plan, which for rural economy as such, not just agriculture, agriculture and rural uh, development. From that. Your annual budgetary exercise, whatever budgets you take out for different programs should come out of this large plan where you take out some components one year, then some other components next year and there has to be some continuum. So this plan has to be an integrated exercise. Unfortunately, that's what is lacking. So what happens is that all our budgetary exercises, our policy pronouncements, everything looks very ad hoc. They are ad hoc, not just look ad hoc, because they don't come out of a large integrated plan. So that should be there. You may do away with planning commission, but you cannot do away with planning. So you can dispense with the body which is making planning, but planning itself is needed whether at the individual level, household level, regional level or at the national level. So for every uh, meaningful uh, action that we want to take, we need some bit of planning at every level. So, in agriculture uh, and rural development, there has to be an integrated plan, like actually this happens in the US, in the US they have what, a system called farm acts, farm acts come every 5 years, it's a large, it's like our 5 year plan, good old 5 year plans. So what this farm Act contain is uh, a complete integrated vision of agriculture, rural development and also environment, the environmental programs the conservation reserve programs and all that, All these programs are integrated in one planning, exercise for the next five years. And then they keep releasing uh, money for that. So they also have all kinds of support for their farmers, direct payments, price support based, so counter-cyclical payments and everything. But they all come from one integrated uh, plan. And I think in it's time India actually embarks on such a... Anything. And second, there is another thing, which is basically agriculture is a state subject as per Indian constitution. So there has to be more coordination between centre and states and for that to happen we need to have a GST council kind of a body for agriculture also. So that there is a deliberation, there is a collective uh, thinking about the problems and, and also the solutions and then the way ahead uh, is. So I'm going to ask
0: you a very ambitious and a futuristic question. I know it won't be implemented in any future, but do you think that this, I mean, I know India is a union of states, would it be better for its functioning and operations if India was a union of union territories? I mean, because then the center would have a better control in, in implementing their own policies. And I ask you this in terms of agriculture
1: itself. I, don't, I, I, I have not given it much thought, but uh, on the first uh, look, it doesn't appeal to me much because it, it doesn't make much of a difference. But uh, yes, you are right in the sense that there are many important things which are in the state list like agriculture, health and other things. Even health is another uh, topic Absolutely. where the centre needs to have a lot more uh, uh, say in the things. But then that can be done through some kind of a collective forum like a justice council or something. That would be much better than changing the structure of the states or uh, making them united or... Because... I mean... Union of Union Territories, I do not know whether that's the right approach
0: to go. But... Uh, because, I mean, we have seen that Union Territories share responsibilities with the center and anything and everything that they do, the states do, the current states do. They are not approved. They don't need to be approved by the centre. But in union territories, they have to be approved by the centre. So, would that give a much more freedom for the centre uh, center and their policies and laws in that terms?
1: Yeah, it will give a lot more control to centre, but that need not improve things. Let me give you an example. Andaman and Nicobar Islands. So, Andaman and Nicobar Islands are uh, union territory as you very well know. And uh, I was there as a part of a uh, committee appointed by the government to prepare a long-term development plan for Anamana and Nicobar Islands. And when we visited some of those far-flung Nicobar Islands and uh, met some of these tribes, what we understand is that there, there is absolutely no initiative from the administration of Andaman and Nicobar to improve things. Because they get everything from the center. Because it's a union territory, because it's uh, uh, in a a, a desolate uh, part of the country. So what happens is that, so center pumps in money into Andaman and Nicobar and the administration there, when I say administration including the bureaucracy, the kind of, there's absolutely no attempt to improve things, for example, agriculture or, or the rural roads or anything of that sort, there's absolutely no initiative because they get everything from the centre. So this can happen with other unit territories. But that also. is so, totally
0: isolated place,
1: right? No, not only isolated, it's also because they they are depending on, uh, on the centre for everything. So centre is putting money there. So union territories, if they become responsibility of the centre then they may not uh, do anything on their own. Now, at least the states are making some effort, Efforts. they may be, they may be disagreeing or they may have uh, uh, problems with the centre, they may be arguing with the centre, they may be noisy in their uh, arguments with the centre, that's okay. This is federal structure under uh, that's okay, as long as things improve. So if you have union territories all over, then centre may have better control. But that may not be necessarily good for uh, things, the policy yeah, and for policy and, and, and the agriculture, actual outcomes, outcomes. Of the at, uh, yeah. on the ground. So, in fact, uh, you'll be surprised to know that in a, uh, Andaman the agriculture is so neglected that the a simple roti, tandoor roti in in an Andaman restaurant, any restaurant you go, this I'm talking about 2016. Okay, not now, seven years back. Roti used to cost forty rupees. One tandoori roti is forty rupees. So if you have to eat four chapatis, imagine one sixty rupees you'll have to spend just for chapatis. So that's the kind of production structure you have uh, there. I probably need to become one of the more like
0: more business entrepreneurs rather than a researcher to go to Andaman and you know have a livelihood for at least seven days. <laughs> <laughs> that that would probably cost me much more than anything. But yes, I mean, I mean, I had this this notion, and I read somewhere in in some political economy economist uh, journal that uh, what will happen if India you know turns into union uh, in a union of union territories? So that that's where I thought like why? I mean, since we are talking about agriculture, and then there there are, there are link, uh, negligence between uh, states and the center. So what if this happens? And what would be your take? And I think. <laughs> And I think, I mean, there would be not much happening around and won't be yielding good pro- outputs, right? So that's the thing. So, I mean, on this note, I'd like to end this talk. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Shekhar, for coming in and uh, talking to us about MSPs and agriculture market and how the welfare of uh, farmers should be and the condition of Indian agriculture at this moment. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure.